here's what I want to talk to you about for a minute. I, I, when I first went to college, there was a group of us who were just good friends. And I was thinking the other day, I was trying to remember, I don't think any of these people ever dated or got married to each other. We were just good friends, and there were guys and girls. Where they, there were these two girls, and um, for no good reason, they would just jump and say, catch me. Can you imagine this? Now, we were younger then, and they were younger, <laughs> and we were stronger, and they were smaller. Let me just say it that way. <laughs> so most of the time, it was no big deal. But I remember one time in particular, a bunch of us were, I don't remember, we were somewhere visiting something and just, just kind of touring around. And I remember we were all walking up these stairs like this, and one of these girls says, catch me. And she jumped. And I caught her, but that was, that was it. I just went straight back down. There was nothing I could do. And, in, you know, flashed through my mind, I, I was saying, no, because there was no way I could, I couldn't, I could catch her, but I couldn't, there's no, you can't hold her. You know, and then stepping backward like that, there was no, and then, you know, I fell into the street and it was funny and everybody's <laughs> laughing and my, I'm hurting, but I tried to act like it didn't hurt, but yeah. But I remember thinking, she was laughing and saying, I knew you would catch me. I thought, well, I'm glad you knew that, but I wish you hadn't have done that. But still, the trust thing, it's trust. And we develop trust and there's, it's interesting, you know, with different people, you have a different level of trust for different things. There's some people I know that I can call them literally at any time, day or night, and they would pick up the phone and they would be there. And that, and that is great. Then there's other people I know who I trust them in different ways. If I, need, if I need a certain thing, they're the one to call. If I need something with my computer, I know somebody I can call and I trust them to give me the right answer. There's people I know that if I have a need, I know they will pray. Now, I know we all intend to pray, but I know they will really do it. They're going to say they're going to pray, and then they're going to really pray. And that is a, that's a trust thing. I know that from them. I know it, know it, know it. I trust them. And there's this exercise. Has anybody done the trust fall exercise? See some hands out there. Okay, it works, it works kind of like this, trust falls. And it, you're supposed to illustrate you know, how much you trust another person. And there's something about it. If you, if you clasp your arms like this, and here's kind of a diagram, but if you were to clasp your arms and shut your eyes and just fall backward, I mean, that's a, that can be a really strange feeling, especially if the person behind you, maybe you're just wondering, not, not if they will catch you, but even if they can. Sometimes I just wondered that, like, okay, that's fine if you think you can, but, and I know you'll be there, but I know we might both, might both end up on the ground or something, but I saw this picture, it kind of cracked me up. I don't know if I would try that. See that guy, he's standing way up high and he's falling back on all those people. And I'm just thinking they may have the best of intentions, but their hands might break loose and he doesn't look like that big of a guy, but maybe he is, maybe under that coat, you know, he's solid muscle and he weighs twice that size, I don't know. But there's something about trust that you start to wonder, can you really trust? How much can you trust something or somebody or someone? Have any of you been out somewhere, maybe hiking or and you come upon an old bridge, and you think, can I cross that bridge? Will it hold me? Can I do it? Has anybody ever done that? Anybody? Really? Okay, okay, thank you. Some of us are like, oh, yeah, I'm trying to find those things. I want to see, yeah, will it hold me? And um, um, I, when I was a kid, I had, I, we went to the circus when I was really young. 
And I was so fascinated by the tightrope walkers, fascinated. And so from the youngest age, I tried to walk on everything. And I would do it all the time. Don't, do not tell my kids. I mean, I would walk on the railings. Even in, I would do this even in high school and walk on the railings like around the school and stuff. But have you, any of you heard of Charles Blondin? I, you, probably, you might have. He, he was a Frenchman in the 1800s, and he was one of the ones, one of the first ones to cross Niagara Falls, that, that expanse of water, on a tightrope. Now, I never did that. I never did anything like that. I'm not talking like that, but this is what this guy did. But he was an amazing guy. He, he, stretched, it, he stretched it over 1,100 feet. That's over a quarter mile long of a tightrope. And when he did this, it was such a spectacle, and it was all to make money. I mean, it was like a sideshow, circus sideshow thing. They, they say that at times the crowd would swell to 50,000 people, and that was from Canada and the U.S. watching him. And he did it. He did, this is a picture, actual photo of him doing it right here. Can you imagine that? Does anybody give him chills just watching that? I know some people are afraid of heights, and some people are terrified by the water, and and. I mean, he was an amazing tightrope walker. Here's another actual photograph of him doing it. But he didn't just stop with that. That would have been impressive, don't you think? But it didn't end there. He actually took it way, way farther than that. He did it with a sack over his head. He did it blindfolded. He did it on stilts. He did it on a bicycle. He did it in the dark. He did it with baskets on his feet. Are you kidding me? And at one point, he actually did this. This is an actual picture. And what he did is he carried that big old contraption out there. What that is is a cast iron stove, and he cooked breakfast on it, and then he lowered down omelets to, you know, the maiden of the mist, the boat that comes up next to the the falls? He lowered down omelets to the people on the boat um, down below. This guy was amazing. Wasn't it amazing? How'd he die? That's a dang good question. Here's, I don't know. That's a good question. I never have looked into that. This is a little card that he produced to kind of show off and get the crowds even bigger, and it shows all the little stunts he was doing while he was out there. He'd lay down on there. He would sit down. I mean, he did all these crazy things. But here's the best thing. He comes to the crowd after doing all this, and you can imagine, everybody's cheering him on, and they're wildly just excited about what he's done because it's an amazing feat. And he says, how many of you think that I can go across with somebody on my back? And the crowd cheers, yeah, yeah, you can do it. Who wants to ride on my back? And the crowd just went completely silent, completely silent. But what he didn't tell anybody, he'd already done it. He'd already done it with his manager. This is a picture of him and his manager going across the, <laughs> across the falls with his manager on his back. And really, all the other things he'd done, a person on his back is no big deal. But the trust factor comes in when it's you. Are you willing to jump on my back? And then he actually did go across. He did a sack of potatoes in a wheelbarrow. And then he actually did his manager in a wheelbarrow. And then I, I don't remember now if anybody went across with him. But it does come down to trust, doesn't it? How much do you trust? And what ends up happening with us in our lives is we start to develop kind of a default setting for trust when it comes to God. And what I mean by default setting is we all know that kind of phrase from from computers or from some machine that you have, but 
we all kind of develop this kind of base level for how much we're going to trust God or what we're going to trust God with. And there's certain things in our life where we're, we're willing to say, God, I trust you. But it's easier said than done because you might worry about it later. And when you're worrying about it, you're not really trusting him because you haven't fully given it to him because you're still holding on to it, at least at some level. Or there's some things that you're, you're willing to trust him on, but then other things you're like, God, I got to take care of this myself. I'm calling her, right? Or I'm going to make this, I'm going to fix this. And there's certain things that we feel like we've got to do ourselves and we almost put him aside and we don't trust him for them. We have a default setting. What I want to challenge us to do tonight is to change that default, to put a whole new default in place where it changes, we change everything. Let me ask the question another way. In our men's group a couple weeks ago, the question was asked in the video we watched. It said, when you're having a problem, do you run away from God or run toward him? When something's going terribly wrong, what do you do? And what that will, your answer to that will reveal what your default setting is. Because he, if he's the answer, if he's the one you trust to take care of things, he's going to be the one you go to first. And where do you go first? Do you go some other way and away from him or toward him? When I was praying and, and thinking about all of this, I was reminded of, there, there used to be this song we would sing. Does anybody remember that song um, about, well, let me just, let's go, to the, let's go to the scripture. Where does my help come from? Do you know that song? Where I go to the mountain? Let's, let's look at that for a minute. I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? I'm using um, a different version here. I'm using the message in this. I don't often use the message. Um, I've been using the message for my daily Bible reading for the last couple months, ever since it came out on audio. It's really interesting to listen to it. And sometimes my problem with it, I'll just be honest, is that it's sometimes too colloquial, where I'm thinking, oh, that doesn't sound like scripture anymore. That's just too common language. He's used too common a language. But it makes it really, really easy to understand. And I think about this psalm in particular. This is a very interesting psalm because this psalm, the Jews would sing if they were on a pilgrimage up to Jerusalem. And I've never been to Jerusalem, but, but as much as you read the scripture, you realize it's up on a hill and the, the, the people who would go visit on a pilgrimage, they would walk up the hill. But Here's something interesting to think about is a lot of people in those areas worshipped other gods up on hills. That's where a lot of the gods were, a lot of the shrines that, if you remember the Bible stories from the Old Testament where they would tear down the idols and tear down those shrines, that's where they were a lot of times, were up on hills. So the psalmist here is asking a good question. He says, do I look to the mountains? Is that where my help will come from? As if there's a God up on a mountain that's going to be an answer for you? Or if there is a God up there, I love his answer. He answers his own question. No, he says, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let you stumble. The one who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel never slumbers or sleeps. You know what he's doing right here? He's, he's actually, it's almost like he's doing a, an apologetic or a theological statement here. It's almost like he's having to correct the, the bad uh, religious beliefs of everybody around. And, and I know that as, as modern Americans, we, um, we can get pretty, um, well, we think we know it all. 
And every age does this. We all think we, you know, whatever age we live in, we think we are the height of, height of um, development and, and we've figured it all out. But here's the thing. As much as, as much as maybe the people around the Jews at this time worshiped gods of mountains or gods of the sun or gods of the earth, we kind of do the same thing. But we don't, we don't worship those ones. We worship money and a bank account and we worship a nice car that runs every time, right? We have those other things that we trust in before we trust in God. And we have those other people we call before we call on him because those are the things that we run to. And what the psalmist here is saying is, you don't need to run to those. God made those. See what he's saying? Don't worship those things. God made them. He's, he's, not only is he in charge of them, he made them in the first place. And not only that, he never sleeps. It's, you may feel like he's not paying attention or your problem you're experiencing is too big or he won't understand, but the fact is he never sleeps. He knows what's going on. I, when I read this verse again, I was reminded of the, the thing about him watching over us. And the picture that came to my mind was, was how you watch over children. And you, and you know how it is when kids, maybe somebody's supposed to be watching them and they're not really watching them. And all of a sudden, you know how it is, right? And it gets quiet in the house and you're thinking, oh no, this is way too quiet. And then you go in and something bad has happened. <laughs> kids torn up something or turn the water on. And Did I ever tell you about the worst thing I ever heard a kid do? I need to tell you this. I won't tell you who it is, but there's this pastor we used to work with, and his kid was bad. And they were always telling us bad stuff. But one time, this is what happened. The mom was upstairs, and she goes, it was just way too quiet. I knew something was wrong. She comes downstairs. The kid had taken the sprinkler, brought it in the living room, and turned it on. He just wanted to see what it would do. (laughs) So she comes in. The drywall drywall is all bubbling already. The pictures on the walls are ruined. The stereo is all wet. The table's bubbling where the water sat on it and no coasters. The carpet's soaked. The house is ruined. And it's not funny, I know, but oh my gosh. She wasn't watching over her kid. You hear what I'm saying? Now, that was a bad kid, of course. But God watches over us. He watches over us. You you know what I love about this too? He watches, maybe you've never thought about this. Maybe you have. Maybe you've looked back in your life like I have, and there's times where I look back and I, I see stupid things I was doing or decisions I was making that were bad or something, and I think, God, you were watching over me then, weren't you? Even when I wasn't paying attention to you, you were watching over me. He does that for us. Your kids will never know the things you've saved them from, will they? They will never know. You know, I've... I've I know you've done the same thing. We've been walking somewhere, and kid will start walking the street. You just kind of nudge them and pull them back in, and they have no idea. You just saved their life. They just don't know. And he does that for us over and over and over and over and over. Look at what this next verse is saying. The Lord himself watches over you. The Lord stands beside you as your protective shade. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. Now, I know when I first read that, I thought, you know, the moon has never harmed me, as far as I know. But I didn't get it. And I had to dig into it a little bit and think, why would that be a big deal? Well, it's not a big deal to us. But in their culture, the moon, they thought, was 
was an evil thing that if you were under the moonlight too long, that it might make you go crazy. Remember the whole lunatic thing and on and on. There, were, there, were evil, there was evil attached to all that. And what he is saying is none of that will come near you, that God will protect you from all of that, even to the point of shading you. I, I had to dig into that too because I thought, that is weird. Why did it say that? Why would it even say that? The Lord himself watches over you. The Lord stands beside you as a protective shade. I mean, it's nice, but why? And I never thought about this, but what it was saying is that in battle, a lot of times, and and it's hard for us to imagine because very few of us have been soldiers in the first place, but then as a soldier, a modern soldier, you don't think about what it would be like to be a soldier in their day. But in their day, you know, think about how difficult it would be to carry or get fresh water. Or if you were in battle... So many, so many soldiers would actually die, not because of actual batter, battle, but because of dysentery or lack of water or sunstroke of all things. Who would think? But there's no protection for them. They're just out there fighting under armor or whatever. And it's just a different world that we live in today. But God cares about that. He would shade you. He would even shade you. Blows my mind. The Lord keeps you from all harm and watches over your life. The Lord keeps watch over you as you come and go, both now and forever. I like how the psalmist does this. And and this happens a lot in psalms where he'll say a statement, then he'll basically say the same thing, but with a little more detail. And and that's kind of a Jewish writing technique. But we do the same thing in in other ways. But, But think about what he's trying to say here. The Lord keeps you from harm and watches over your life. And then later he says, now and forever. There's another human, normal human thing is we kind of live in the moment. Well, a lot of us live in the past, but, but the, some of us, as you're living in the moment, what, what we don't often do is think down the road. We, we kind of make decisions based on what's good now, and a lot of times we don't have the maturity to think about, okay, if I, if I save right now, that will help me in the future. But God does. Do you ever think about that? He's looking at your whole life long. He loves you now. Of course he does. And we've already read about how he protected us in the past, but he's also watching over your future right now. Right now. Right now he's caring about you and your future. You know, I read these things and I think, God, why would I turn to other things first and not you? God, please adjust my trust default setting so that I trust you first. I want to go to him first with everything because he is what matters. I think why we do that is we forget some of the things he's done. That's why I started off after worship saying, just thank him for some of the things he's done. We don't don't thank him. uh, Remember that song, Count Your Blessings, Name Them One by One. Remember that? We don't do it enough. Let me give you a little, just a little tip. If you have trouble falling asleep tonight, why don't you start thanking him for things he's done? I bet you will fall asleep long before you run out of things. And don't, don't go for just the big things. The big things are big, but so many things he's done. There's something about having a heart of gratitude toward him. And not only that, though, when you remember what he's done you will start to tell people about it. If that's what's on your mind, it's going to be a mindset of gratitude that you're going to share with people. 
Anybody else grow up in church long enough ago that you remember the bless you services? Anybody have those? <laughs> I thought those were so fun, partly because I knew no one ever called me because I was a kid. But do you know what I'm talking about, Carol? Really? Oh, that's right. I should have known that. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Here's how it would work, though. Carol, tell us something God did for you. He saved you. All right. And this is how it works. Then you would bless somebody. Then they would get to share something. So why don't you turn around? You can bless somebody in here. Bless Joyce. That's usually how it works, too. It's usually right somewhere right here. But okay, bless Joyce. You can't name one. What about this wonderful man sitting here? <laughs> he laughed that she got to come to church. Tonight. Basically, that's how it would work. And you would bless somebody and, you know, you bounce around the room. And pretty soon it's just, you know, people are laughing because it's kind of you're being put on the spot. And oh, my gosh, it's fun because we're celebrating what God has done. But we forget what he's done. And when we forget what he's done, you don't expect him to do it again. That's the problem. Your default setting gets lowered because you're not remembering what he's done. Another thing is we forget who he is. So many times we define God down to who we are and our expectations, and you forget you're dealing with the God of the universe. Just so happens the Bible reading plan that my son Theo chose is, um, it's called, uh, I can't remember the name, but it's about God. So I don't, I don't know why he chose it in the first place, because it's, it's interesting to me, but I didn't know it'd be interesting to him. But as we're reading it, we just started reading about um, it had him read in the book of Exodus where Moses comes to the burning bush and he says, well, who am I supposed to tell him is saying to set my people free? And God says, I am. And so two nights ago, as I sat on the edge of his bed and we talked about what that means, what does it mean for God to be always is? So I'm watching this 13 year old brain try to understand the complexity of a God who has no beginning and no end and that is the very definition of what God is, that he, or one of the definitions, is that he always is. He always is. He created everything else that is and is finite, and he is infinite. And as I'm watching him begin to grasp an understanding of what that is, I was reminded that I don't even understand what that is. You know, you see somebody who's who's a young mind, I mean, he's got the limitations of just being young, and then this concept is, is dawning on him and what all that means, and we, we, we can't even begin to approach who he is. You forget who he is. <laughs> I mean, it's one thing if you go to somebody who you know can fix your problem, if it's plumbing, right? But that isn't really, that's not a big deal in the scope of things. I mean, it might be if it's leaking, I guess. I remember one time my, my dad was in the Navy and he was gone a lot. I remember one time, I don't know how it happened, but my sister went to turn on the shower and the whole knob fell off and the water was squirting across, the, 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 across right from there, across the shower. Just It was a solid beam of water. It looked like a laser beam of water and it was just splattering all over and, and uh, you know, shut the, shut the, uh, the shower doors were sliding, plastic shower doors or whatever, shut those and then my mom... I remember seeing her just kind of crumple and cry because, like, what am I going to do? I don't know what to do. You know, and so we're like, well, let's call. And we just call Lamar. Lamar will know. He's one of our cousins that live by. He can fix anything. She's like, yes, call Lamar. You know, right? That's what we do. 
but you know somebody smarter than Lamar, thank God. <laughs> you know somebody who created everything. I love how um, in, in the book of Isaiah, he calls God the Lord of heaven's armies all the time. The Lord of our heaven's armies says this. Think about who that is. The Lord of heaven's armies. You know him. He's the one who watches over you. Man. Oh, man. You know what else we do? We forget who we are. We start to think that we have answers, and, and sometimes we do. Yes, God trusts us to know things, but, but really at the, end, at the bottom of everything, we are weak, we are feeble, we are finite, and we need him. We're flawed, and we ask the wrong questions and all of that. I think the bottom line is that the default settings are difficult to change. And a lot of times, based on how many times you've been disappointed or maybe how many things are piled on or maybe your temperament or personality, it may be difficult for you to change that default. But you can change it. You can. I get so frustrated when I hear somebody say something like, this is just the way I am. You got to accept me. Like, well, you know what? I don't. I don't, because I know we can change. I know there's some things we can't change. I know that. But, but for a lot of things, we can change. We can change your attitude. You can change your perspective. You can change the way you act. You can change the way... All of those things can change. And I... Let's, one of my favorite passages of Scripture, this Philippians 4, 6-7. Don't worry about anything. If you had to worry, Paul wouldn't say, don't worry. That would be so frustrating, wouldn't it? And I know some people tend to worry more than others. I know that. She's not here tonight, but my wife's a worrier. And I know that. She knows that. But you don't have to be stuck that way. You can change it, or God wouldn't say to change it. He says, don't worry. And then he gives you a way not to worry. He says, don't worry. Instead, pray about everything. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need. And then thank him for all he's done. You see, the, he just lays it out for us here. Then, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. Anything you can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Notice it's his peace that's going to guard, not you. Because you can't. You've, you're, you're worrying. If, you, if it was up to you, you would still be worrying. But he can do it. And then he does this. He says, he, he says, let's walk through it together. He says, don't worry. Instead, pray about it and then thank him for it. And then his peace will come in and overwhelm you. Then he'll guard your heart and mind. Then he tells you another thing to do. This you can do. Everybody can do this. Now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, what is honorable, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely, what is admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. He's basically telling you, don't think about that thing you're worrying about. Think about these things. Think about something else. You can change it. It's a, it's a pattern of thinking that you can change. So I had to ask myself, oh, we never use verse 9, but it's awesome. Keep putting to practice all you've learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. I, I, someone put on Facebook, um, or may, I think it was Facebook, and they said, you've got to do the natural, 
then God will do the super. I thought, oh, that's good. Because we don't often do the natural. We just say, God, just do it. You've got to do some things, and those are some things you can do. So the last thing is this. What do you really believe? What do you really have that trust in? What is, where is your trust? Where is it really? I'm so thankful this story is in the Bible. Just, just a real quick background. Jesus uh, feeds the 5,000, then he's on his way somewhere, and the man walks up to him, and he says, he says, if you, if you want to, you can heal my daughter. And he says, what do you mean if I can? Jesus says to the guy, I love it. Jesus says, what do you mean if I can? And I'm sure he wasn't thinking this, but I would have been if I was Jesus. Like, do you know who I am? Like, duh. <laughs> of course I can. I just did all this. Did you not see what I just did? You know I can. But that's, he's saying the same thing to us. You know what he's done for you. <laughs> of course I can. If I can, I love it. Anything is possible if a person believes. And I love that this story's in the Bible because it's me. And the father cries out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Some, you, you could have gotten one of these prayer requests as you walked in. But I want you to pray for a little more than that. Dave, if you could put some music on for us. I'm going to open the, the altars here. And you have plenty of time to spend time in prayer. You, as we've been talking tonight, I'm sure God has probably brought to mind some things that you either worried about, concerns that you have, things you don't see getting fixed or need to be fixed. And if not, you certainly can pray for these things and then some of the other things that we mentioned tonight, some of the other prayer needs, big things. God, we believe, but will you please help our unbelief? God, we trust you. We know.